And so we come to it at last, my final missive, Great Amaterasu. The great summary of ages, or rather, a great summary of an age. Let us summarize what we have covered thus far, Empress of the Illuminated Heavens. We saw your birth. We saw your divine mandate to rule the heavens. We saw the banishment of your brother, and the cruel arrogance of your other brother. We saw you cower in shame in a cave, and how your subjects loved you so much that they chased you to that cave and tricked you back out of it. We saw your five sons fail you, and your grandson set forth your great mandate to bring order to the land of the rising sun in motion. And then we saw your descendants set forth to Yamato, and there established a dynasty to rule the entirety of the lands. And we have many more years left to go. Before we advance, I will say that there is no more gracious an Empress of Heaven, or indeed a ruler anywhere, as you. What you did next, when faced with outsiders, is strange to me. What you did in the face of your name being invoked for great cruelty is disheartening. But you remain the best, Great Amaterasu. I think it is important to note that as we end the story, and as we head into the future, marching with our heads held high. I am a dutiful fox, retired here in heaven, and you are gracious enough to let me send you these and not have me thrown out into the grounds, and there be banished forever from the graces of heaven, a monstrous curse being haunting the living souls of today. And what would they think, a ghostly fox full of hubris cast out of heaven for saying too much, and yet not enough? But I do not think you would. Worse has been said of you, of course, and I am overall positive in my assessment of you. Your moments of weakness are understandable, human even. You are not your family. You are gracious, and you are wise enough to let humans manage their own affairs, including your own descendants. But why do I think this? Let us look at the evidence one last time. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 3, Episode 9, The Rising Sun. When does time start? If you ask the humans, you will get a myriad of answers, dates in fact, the mythical past beyond knowing when humans lived for centuries, the Kofun period, when the first confirmed rulers of your dynasty are known, or was it the Jomon or Yayoi periods, thousands of years prior to the Kofun? Who can truly say? From the mists of prehistoric time, your people step out and come to rule the land of the rising sun with you at the head. They began by building elaborate tombs called Kofuns, still found around Yamato to this day. Some say the builders of these mounds could not have been from the land of the rising sun, that nothing like it existed prior to them. They must have come from elsewhere, from Korea or China perhaps. Whatever the truth, people were coming from beyond the land of the rising sun, and with them, they brought their own spirits, their own foxes, their own ogres, their own gods. With each one they came, they realized immediately that they entered a land where the spirits were found in every stone, every stream, every gust of wind, and the allegiance of those beings went back to one, to you, to the Empress Amaterasu. And so, the gods of China, the Taoist deities of the stars, came before you, came before your Yamato descendants' ministers, and offered their service. These became the diviners of the humans, reading the stars, the patterns, the earth itself for signs of things to come. And, in time, they brought more powerful beings altogether. It was your descendants themselves who were responsible for the rise of the Buddhas in the land of the rising sun, pushing them with official government policies and imperial decrees, for indeed, they called themselves emperors, 
At this time, men ruled primarily, but women came and went too, sometimes as regents, sometimes in their own rights. That all changed with the coming of the Buddhas. They came preaching enlightenment, offering absolution from pain of life and the advancement of souls. Normally, this nonsense would not be tolerated, but there was a benefit your creator father, Izanagi no Mikoto, pointed out. Every day he swore that he would create more souls than Izanami destroyed. With reincarnation through the cycle of karma, old souls were recycled while new souls were brought into the world, increasing the population dramatically. It guaranteed the survival of not just humanity, but of the kami and spirits who interacted with humanity. It was a good answer. And so they were permitted to exist, to thrive, to intermix to the point an untrained eye could not tell the difference between a kami and a Buddha. Sometimes I can't tell the difference myself. There came many such Buddha, bo some born in this land, most born beyond, and some not born at all, merely manifesting through belief itself. How many kami have been born that way, I do wonder. There was Kanan, the goddess of mercy, perceiving all sounds of the world. She is very much like you in that regard, is she not? Like my master Inari of the rice, Kanan has many forms. She began her existence as a male bodhisattva in India, transforming while crossing the Himalayas. There was Jizo, protector of children, those statues that now dot the countryside as plentiful as Inari's Kitsune statues. He guides souls of the innocent, namely children, by hiding them in his billowing red cloak, guarding them from cruel oni and other monsters that prey upon them. Of Jizo, I am most fond. But most important, I think, are the Buddhas and gods that came over and became as important and as local as the kami themselves. The seven lucky gods are seven beings who bestow wealth upon their followers and the faithful. Of them, only Ibisu was born in the land of the rising sun. Indeed, he is your eldest brother, Great Amaterasu. Ibisu is the spineless child born of Izanagi and Izanami when they improperly married. The child washed up on the beaches of the land below and slowly grew a spine while the village of humans around him cared for him. Thus, when Ibisu was fully formed, he blessed the village and all humans. Such was his grace and thankfulness. To me, that is the beauty of our land that all faiths may dwell under the same sun. That is not to say there have not been attempts to dominate others with faith. It was your very descendants, the imperial family, who pushed Buddhism so hard on the people until it fell out of favor with the nobility, who were themselves obsessed with Chinese mysticism and belief. When foreign faiths grew too boisterous, the priests of Shinto attempted to expel these barbarian faiths. What nonsense. The faith of Christ came too, and it too was brought into the fold, and even oppressed when it became too intolerant of others. Many sects were born, not even resembling the original faith, when your land below became intolerant of outside influence. The nature of humanity is to yield to its own follies, and so the imperial family's influence has waned and flowed, gaining and losing power naturally over time. The shoguns were born of the warriors paid by nobles to defend their land, samurai thinking themselves more suited to rule. Indeed, many were. The imperial family was more interested in writing poetry than governing in many times. If this sounds like some of your own sons, Great Amaterasu, it is merely coincidence, I assure you. But shogunates rise and fall too. There were three in total, and a great anarchy too, when Buddhism rose up and tried to create an egalitarian society, a noble goal to this old fox, but one 
that was not to be, for the Warring States era lasted too long before the final shogunate was born. And at its end, with foreign powers from Europe and America demanding power and influence, it was your imperial family that came to the forefront again. Expel the barbarians, revere the emperor, many said. But something changed. For centuries since the arrival of the Buddhas, women had been pushed aside, out of power and out of the realms of control. While exceptions existed in both fact and legend, women continued to lose power as the emperor returned to power, even with Buddhism pushed to the side. Women, like you, great Amaterasu, were there to bear witness to the greatness of man. This choice I cannot fathom. How does a woman sit at the head of the pantheon worshipped by men, who regularly relegate women to be lesser than? One day you'll have to answer for that one. Your faith and you, great Amaterasu, were returned to the forefront. Faiths like Buddhism were punished for their alien origin, despite being instrumental to daily life for many. This new religion, a state version of Shinto, did away with local traditions to bring things into a single version, restrictive and ignoring the needs of the people. This was not a bad thing, per se, and it brought the belief in power surrounding the imperial family back to the forefront, but it also made enemies within the ranks of the land of the rising sun. Many became militant in the name of a new god, nationalism. And that new god brought them all to the brink of disaster, all in the name of malice and conquest. Two bombs fell on your land, brighter than even the sun itself, and you, great Amaterasu, were as surprised as any. Many kami perished, many gods too. But in one of those cities, in Nagasaki, it was kami of that city that held back the blast, preserving as much life as possible. The imperial family was forced to declare it was not divine. No one had thought they were, only that they were descended from you, great Amaterasu. Yet the enemies of the land of the rising sun, whether righteous or not, thought this a great victory. And so, the land below recovered. Some say belief in the occult faded, but that cannot be true. We are still here. Millions come to the shrines and temples and churches, do they not? Many still seek the face of the sun. In the face of secular apathy, the old rituals and beliefs persist. Your people are a conservative one, but that conservative attitude has its benefits in its way. Even as they face new crises today, you will not abandon your people. And that alone is reason enough to give you the benefit of the doubt. Even a goddess, an empress of heaven, can make mistakes, and own up to them, and grow from them. So too can her people. There's nothing more to be said. So concludes this season of Goddessy, focusing on the sun goddess of Japan, Amaterasu. This was one of the first two gods that came to mind when I was planning Goddessy alongside Lu, and while she was supposed to be season two, I pushed her off again to prepare better, to get my ducks in a row, as it were, to refine my skills with primary sources on myth, albeit in translation. And here we are, at Roadmap's End. You'll note several episodes of this season were less myth and more bridges, much as in season one. The major difference is that I did not draw out episodes this season like I did with Lou, because Japanese myth lacks a decisive arc unlike the Tuatidi Danan myths in Ireland. That's not to say certain characters don't have overarching stories, as many do, but Amaterasu is not one of them. She is the groundwork for which all Japanese myth needs to be understood, as she is the one documented alpha to the Japanese story. Japanese myth being among my favorite, it opens a lot of doors to me. 
Here, I largely expounded on the yes-and approach of Japanese spiritual life. Whereas many in the Americas and Europe believe that belief requires you adhere to one faith and do so strongly with great exclusivity, Japan has no such requirement, and indeed, stringent belief in one faith is anathema to many places in East Asia. Thus we see Buddhas, Taoist gods, Confucian figures, Christ even, in Japan alongside native kami. Many such kami have mixed origins, began as other figures as far away as ancient Greece, while others like Amaterasu are ravenously unique. I mentioned here State Shinto, which existed from 1870-ish to 1945, when the state shrine system was dissolved and shrines were left basically to their own devices. It's more complicated than that. But it's the first time that Shinto as a religion was codified and made into a political unit in the name of national interests. Japan was facing extreme European influence, and that included making a state that resembled Europe, and that state needed a state religion. Shinto was refashioned into a xenophobic echo of itself in the name of nationalism, and thus, after the declaration of Hirohito's humanity in August and September 1945, was dissolved. This declaration, that the emperor was only human, was designed to be vague by the US military and Japanese anti-imperialist forces, to be that way to appease all sides, and thus, in America, has morphed into a big gotcha moment. Funny how that works. The roadmap of the podcast basically ends here. I have ideas for future of the podcast, but I'm not sure what they are. I may start interviewing people, given how popular the show has become on Twitter, or rather, how popular the Twitter account is on its own. Priorities in real life have changed, but Goddessy is not going on hiatus. It's not dying. It's not over. I have too many stories left to retell. Gilgamesh, Isis, Inanna, the rest of the Norse pantheon, Freya is next, Heracles, Athena, too many divinities and heroes to step away, and I very much want to expand beyond my Mediterranean and Eurocentric tendencies. I believe firmly that the mission of Goddessy as a podcast, as a social media campaign, is to spread a love and knowledge of world mythology. Culture is key to understanding these myths, but many of the values and tales they spread are human universals, and the gods are as malleable as humanity. The ending of the season does highlight one thing. Gods don't die. Japan is still very much a supernatural place, even as shrines and temples go extinct every passing year. Japan is in crisis, but that crisis does not cede the power of the kami and yokai alike. With that, we leave Season 3 of Goddessy and look to a bright future, illuminated by a gracious sun. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional research and editing by the ever-gracious Sydney Yanker, who really wants to do Isis and may just read it her own self, damn it. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. You can also support him on Patreon, and you'll get all sorts of bonuses, because unlike some people, he's a responsible Patreon member. Goddessy is more than a podcast, if that's not yet clear. Check us out on social media for daily Twitter posts and fun themes, occasional memes spanning history and pop culture alongside our favorite folklore and mythology, and social and political commentary no one asks for. Please stay in your lane, Goddessy. God! Drop by, say hi, and squash unrighteous nationalism wherever you see it. If you like what we do, be sure to leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and share to your friends, human and fox alike. If you support us even more so, check us out on Patreon and Coffee. On Patreon, we've begun a series of blogs exploring how to engage with Japanese folklore and religion, and I think you'll really like it. Patreon will also be getting an additional episode of Season 3 that will not go out to the public for a while. 
Check out one of my favorite myths. Goddessy will return just as the sun rises every day. See you soon. Thank you.